0: Our sermon scripture is going to come from the 13th chapter of Hebrews, the 15th and 16th verse. That's Hebrews... 13 verses 15 and 16, and when you have it, please stand. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God's word for God's people, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, at my day job as an audiovisual service engineer, uh, there is a, um, a focus on culture. Um, They like to hire for attitude and train for skill. And they feel like that is the right way to go because they feel like they can teach you whatever it is you need to know. Uh, There's nothing new out there under the sun. We can teach you how to do stuff, but if you have the wrong attitude, you won't be a good fit for the company, amen? Our CEO often quotes Larry Drucker in his meetings. Uh, Larry Drucker is one, a very successful businessman, and he says that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm. All right. So it doesn't matter how great your plan is and all these marketing plans and different things that you want to do in the organization, if you don't have the right culture, the strategy is all for naught. They enforce the culture because they feel like that is what matters most. They love rookie smarts. It's another theory that they have where we'd rather you not know how to do something and we teach you rather because when you're a rookie and you come into the, 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 the field and we teach you the right way, you're not scared to make certain decisions. There are some people who may have been doing something for 20 or 30 years and they don't make the, the risky decisions because they've been doing it so long. But if you train somebody new, they don't have the fear to not touch a certain button. They don't have a fear to not do certain things technically because they've been trained the right way and they have this culture about them and this attitude about them. And so they they focus on culture. They focus on attitude so much that it actually took me about four to five months to get hired. I went online. I turned in the application. They emailed me a psychological evaluation. They didn't call it a psychological evaluation, but I know what a psychological evaluation looks like right. because I have to get one in order to get into this pulpit. Right. That's a whole another story, but um, <laughs> I know what it looks like. And so they sent multiple cycle of psychological evaluations to me, then I had to take a wonderlick test. And then the next couple of weeks, then they called me again and they had an interview with one of the hiring managers. And then after I had that interview with the hiring manager, I moved on to the next one and they gave me another psychological evaluation. And, and then they gave me another personality test. And then they interviewed me again. And then they brought me in front of the people to take more psychological evaluations on paper this time. Some of them were online, some of them they mailed you on paper. And then they also took what was called a mechanical aptitude test. And so they would show me different uh, pulley systems. And they say, which one of these pulley systems could lift the box uh, easier? Show me two glasses of water, one with a little bit of ice in it, one with a lot of ice in it, and ask me, which one of these are colder? Take two bowls of water one a whole lot of water, one with a little bit of water, which one of these would take longer to boil? And they asked me these repetitive questions over and over again to see if I would break. And then, not only to assess whether or not I had a mechanical aptitude, but to see what kind of personality I had. And then they sent me home and gave me a link to another psychological evaluation test. Then they pulled my credit. (laughs) <laughs> then <laughs> they ran a background check <laughs> then they did a drug test then they brought me in for the final interview and then before they made an offer certain things had shown up and they wanted to ask me some questions about my behavior and, and, and actually I'll tell you right now they said I had some sort of avoidance issues like I would avoid certain kinds of conflict I don't know where they got that from, but that's what showed up. And they talked about I avoid certain things. And I said, yes, I do avoid things. And I would argue that I do avoid conflict. And I avoid conflict by preparing for stuff ahead of time. I much rather would have your stuff working ahead of time than have to run in in the middle of the meeting while it's broken. And so they did all of this stuff over the course of four to five months before they actually extended me an offer because they were concerned about culture. And they didn't stop there because once we got hired, no meeting starts off with the CEO without them questioning us on culture. So I had to know the company's core values because I would be asked about it over and over again. And so I had to know that the company's core value, one of them, was honesty and integrity in everything that we do. I also had to know that our people are number one. Treat each other well, expect a lot from them, and good things will follow. I also had to know that uh, that I needed to have contribution to the community in which I lived. So here it is, a job where I can't get promoted unless I do XYZ number of community service hours a year. It's on the promotion track. They give you a spreadsheet of everything you need to do. If you want to go from level 2 to level 3 and level 3 to senior engineer, they give it all to you. And so we got to do that. Excellence in the four Ps. I knew that that's a positive attitude and proactiveness and process and performance have to know that. And I had to know that profit and growth are a means to make all the other values happen. So it don't matter if they had the good attitude, if they weren't turning a profit, it was all for not. But we focused on culture. And the other thing that happened in that culture is they focused on having a positive attitude, now, a positive attitude did not mean you walked around with a plastered smile on your face. But you couldn't walk around and put all of this bad energy into the air. Matter of fact, two days after I got hired, somebody got fired. And they had been there for months, but they had a bad attitude. Smart as all, get out. But if your attitude was not positive in the situation, it hurts you. They focus so much on this culture that when you get the annual review, you get the four P's. And you would think that because there are four P's and you're evaluated on those four P's, each one of those four P's will be 25% of your evaluation. That's not true. The positive attitude one is twice as much as everything else. So it's 40% percent positive attitude, and in, 2020 20, and 20 for the proactiveness the process and the performance. But what I'm getting at is they enforce a culture. There's a book called "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People," and Stephen Covey identifies proactivity as the key that unlocks the door to all the other good habits. Proactivity makes the difference between success and failure. But he defines proactivity as being responsible for our choices and exercising our freedom to choose based on values rather than moods. So when they talk about being proactive, you choose to make deposits instead of always making withdrawals and Robert K. Greer in the Fired Up Church said that Jesus is calling us to be proactive in doing good and make it our passion and don't let opportunities to do good pass us by there's always something better we can do to make our relationships better it's all about how we look at the situation What does that all have to do with what I read? Well, it talks about making a sacrifice of praise. We have to choose to praise God no matter what the situation is going on. And it's a sacrifice of praise, which means we may have to do it when we don't want to. It means we may have to go through something but still praise God, right, no matter right. what is going on. Yeah, yeah. Sacrifice is, des- is defined as the act of offering to a deity something precious, mm-hmm. especially sometimes something is sacrificed on the altar, something offered in sacrifice, a destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else, something given up, something lost. It talks about sacrifices made by parents. Parents will sometimes go hungry to make sure that their children can eat. Parents might wear clothes a little longer and wear them out to make sure that our kids have new clothes on. It is a sacrifice. It costs. And we have to be willing to give up those sacrifices, no matter what our circumstances. Uh, first off, the writer talks about continually offering. Yeah. Uh, when the writer is writing to the people uh, for this letter called Hebrews, they're coming out of what they were doing in sacrifices where they would put bulls and lambs and other kind of animals on the altar. Hmm. Yeah. They, they would have burnt offerings. And they would take a male animal from the herd, the firstborn, and burn it. They talk about it in Leviticus. All right. And the smoke rose to the heavens and gave a pleasing odor, kind of like a barbecue pit. Mm. When you put the meat on the grill, it, the, rise, the smoke rises, and you can smell it coming. But it, gave, it rose to the heavens, giving a pleasing odor. And they also had what was called a grain offering. And these were gifts which would be uncooked flour with frankincense and oil added, or sometimes uh, unleavened dough, and they would cook that in an oven or a griddle. And then there was also the first ripened grain from a harvest. These were sacrifices that the people of God gave ritualistically. And the Bible tells us in Leviticus and Deuteronomy how those sacrifices were supposed to be prepared. You were supposed to take of your own and offer it to God. But not only that, when you look at past Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you'll look around and there were times where people made sacrifices to other people. David was being chased by Saul, and he offered him grain as a sacrifice in order to to, to get him off of him. But they were used to please God and give gifts to each other. But the culture was changing, so there was no need. After Jesus had come to find a lamb of God to to put on the altar because the lamb of God who takes the sins away from the world was sacrificed on a tree for all of our sins. Uh So there was no need to go to the altar and offer the grain and the the bulls and the uncooked leaven and all of that because Jesus had made a sacrifice for us on our behalf. But even though Jesus had made this sacrifice on our behalf, we still need to give something. And that's something that we have to give now instead of bulls and lambs and goats is our praise. We have to give something to God and our praise and our acts towards others are that sacrifice. Uh, and it says in the text, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly confess his name. I'll say it again. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. So that the third time's a charm, through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. Do you know what's not in there? My attitude. You know what's not in there? How much money I got in my pocket. You know what's not in there? How my health is doing at that time. You know what else is not in there? How my family members are doing at that time. We are to offer a sacrifice of praise. It doesn't matter if things are good or things are bad. It doesn't matter if we're having a wonderful relationship with our spouse at the moment or we want to throw some hot grits on them. It doesn't matter, but we are still to praise God. That is our purpose. We've gotten into this situation where we have turned God into a vending machine. We've turned God into Lubies or Golden Corral where we just walk through the line and pick up what we want. I want some of this, I don't want any of that. I want some of this, I want some of that. And so we've only started to praise God when the money is good, when the relationships are good, when we got a job that we like and everything is going great. But that is not what it is for. We are to praise God for being God all by Himself. We are to seek God's face and not God's hand. All right, all right. Yeah, that's good, that's good. We are to praise God no matter what because we ought to understand that our present situation is not permanent for our purpose. Our present situation is not permanent for our purpose. We might be broke now, all right. but we won't be broke forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might be sick now, But we won't be sick forever. What if God treated us like that? I'm only help you when you do right by me. We'd all be gone. Our purpose is to praise God. It's easy to praise when everything's going well. It's easy to praise anything. Praise in general is easy. Good job. You guys are great to work with. This food is excellent. <laughs> Who cooked these greens? It's easy to praise when everything's going on. We'll praise a dog. You give a dog a treat when you tell it to sit, and it doesn't it when you tell it to stay and roll over. It's praise is easy. God, I thank you for the raise. God, I thank you for the money coming in. God, I thank you for the job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for my help. God, I, it's easy. That rolls off the tongue so easy. But can we still praise God if we got to work a job we hate? Can we still praise God when the money is low and bills are due? You got a whole bunch of months left and no money for it. Can we still praise God in the emergency room? Continual praise. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise means non-stop. Hmm. All right. That means we still gotta praise God while we wait on an answer. Yeah. That means we still gotta praise God when that answer is no. Uh-huh. All right. Having been saved by Christ hmm. means we are continually praising God. God whenever we get a chance not only when the good times roll but nor does it mean we're supposed to sit around and pretend like everything is alright we are human we have emotions but we got to understand what is due God is independent of our present situation God created the world God deserves praise God sent his son to die for our sins God deserves praise these problems are yet but a temporary situation and we still are to praise God through. God is owed the praise, but sometimes giving the praise, no matter what the situation, will make us feel better as well. We praise God because God is God, not because we get God gives us what we want. Sometimes what we want is not always good for us. Right, all right. Sometimes the parent is withholding certain things from us or making it more difficult to get to because that's in our best interest. Sometimes the parent knows more than the child. If we were to allow the child to make all the decisions in life, we might not get past breakfast. What do you want for breakfast, child? Donuts? Cake? Just a whole pack of sugar? That kind of decision-making is not good. We can't have that. If you make all those decisions, it, not, it may not work out for their health. And the same can be said for us. When we go to the Father, sometimes what we want is not good for us. Sometimes that man or that woman that we want is not good for us. Sometimes that job is not good for us. Sometimes when we get that money, it's not good for us. And sometimes when we ask for certain things, we don't just get it outright. We get an opportunity to work it out. If you want to lose weight, you don't ask for, let me lose weight, and then it just all goes away. You got to make some disciplined decisions. You got to change your diet. You got to exercise. You got to work towards it. If it's just given to you, you can waste it. I read somewhere, uh, and I can't remember where off the top of my head, but it was talking about the fact that 75% of the lottery winners file for bankruptcy Hmm. because they're just given all of this money without necessarily the discipline to work through it or the way to understand how that money works. And so they spend on whatever they want. And then you look up and a couple years later, all that money is gone and then some. There was a particular lottery moment I used to follow him on the news because he would do stuff like walk around with fifty to $100,000 in a briefcase. Just walk around with it. And people kept hitting him on the head wherever he went. We are not, some, sometimes we, are, we should not get everything that we want. And just because somebody else has something doesn't mean that that's for us as well there's an adage that says the grass is always greener on the other side but understand that that grass on the other side had to deal with more fertilizer uh, all right. <laughs> and so because they had to deal with more fertilizer they had to put up with a whole lot more and so you may not want that you may not want the car that somebody else is driving cause they may be driving their dinner for the next couple months Grandma and grandpa said, don't let a car get on your table. You spending so much on a car note because you want the best and the brightest, but not understanding that that car note is taken away from your food. Are you driving that wonderful car to a house with the AC off or the lights off? And so we are not praised just on what has happened in our present situation. And we are not praised by comparing our situation to others because you don't know what they had to do to get there. You ought to praise God for God being God. Don't praise him for your present situation. Don't praise him for other people's situation. You praise him for what God has done. We can't look at our material situation and allow the material situation to determine our praise. And we cannot look at our emotional situation. And allow that to determine our praise. I find it funny when I look back over my own life. I can't talk about nobody else's life. But I look back over my own life and I look at what bothered me the most. And I look at what kind of emotional situations was going on. There were things that were going on in my life in the past that I would not sleep over. I would just lay in the bed, toss and turn until the alarm went off and got back up. But as soon as that situation was resolved, it was like a weight that was lifted off of me, but nothing actually physically changed. What I'm saying is, is that our emotional situation, sometimes what we think about the situation is more harmful to us than what is actually going on. It took me a while to get there, and it took me a lot of wins and a lot of losses, it took me a lot of times applying for jobs and not getting them. It took me a lot of times of getting on jobs and thinking that that's what I wanted and understanding that that was the most horrible thing I've ever had happen, that I've gotten to a point that I will, whether a based or a bound, I'm going to still have my own joy. I, and I realize that when your emotional situation changes about it, nothing actually changed. all I would do is get some information. Nothing physically changed, but once I got that information I felt that much more better about it and because I realized how I was changing just based on the information, I started to realize that is how I control myself. Not to say that you let everything go and you let everything pass, but just understand that we choose to make our own emotions about these situations. And our emotions about the situation is what goes up and down. The facts itself doesn't change. And so we cannot allow those emotional situations of what's going on to hinder our praise. And we can't allow it to hinder our praise because we know in the end it's going to work out to our good. And this we know, that all things work together Uh for the good of them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. So that means when I'm going through bad things, I understand that it's still going to work out to my good. When I'm going through good things, it's still going to work out to my good. That means if there's some bad things going on and some good things going on, they're all going to work together for my good. And because I know that, I'm able to keep an even keel now. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it happens overnight. I'm not saying you wake up in the morning and decide, I'm just not going to let this stress me out anymore. I'm just going to praise God anyway. But we ought to work. A sacrifice costs. Mm-hmm. I was at the picnic last uh, yesterday with uh, our new bishop, Bishop Jones, and he had an opportunity to bring a message. And he talked about a lot of things that were going on in our denomination. A lot of stuff that's making the news, and people were asking for his opinion about it. And he said something that stuck with me. He said that we have to ask ourselves what is truth instead of reacting to everything that we read. There's a lot of reaction going on today. We see things and we react. Who running for president? Then we react. What's your stance on this particular political situation? Then we react as opposed to looking at what's the actual truth about it. And when we get grounded in the truth about it and not get caught up in the fa- in different things that they report piece by piece to try to get reactions out of people, we can keep and even kill. We have to look at what's truth and offer that sacrifice of praise. And you know what happens when you offer that sacrifice of praise, you're going to come across some resistance. It's going to be hard to do that, but you're going to have to work your way through the resistance as well. People may not understand because they have this fantasy of you in their heads of how they feel you're supposed to react, how you're supposed to uh, treat things, and when you get outside of their fantasy, they do things to oppose it. And so when you start making a change for the better, when you start keeping calm in certain situations, when you start praising God anyhow, be prepared for some resistance. And sometimes it'll come from professionals. Uh, Hannah, Hannah was looking for a son, to ask God for a son. And she went to the, the, to the temple and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and got so hard into the praise that the pastor thought she was drunk. Hmm. All right. She was offering a sacrifice of praise. The professional thought she was drunk. This is supposed to be where you stand, so we have to be understanding that if the professional can think there's something wrong with you in offering this praise, then everybody else can as well. But you offer that praise anyhow. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He offered a sacrifice of praise. And he offered that sacrifice of praise being on the run. Ah. Saul tried to kill him. Every time he finished playing a song, Saul threw a spear at him and he had to run from that. His best friend couldn't see him out in public. And then he had to go to Gath where the Philistines were. The man that he killed, Goliath, was a Philistine. And he had to go to Gath and play like he was crazy in front of the king. And I've been on this 90-day Bible reading plan, so I've just got out of 1 Kings, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Samuel. And something else that I didn't realize until I read it then and it was brought to my remembrance was that David went on the run and first he went by a temple and met with a priest and said, I need a weapon. And the only weapon that was available at that time was the very sword that he used to cut Goliath's head off. So here you are on the run from your current king in enemy territory with people that know you killed their greatest warrior and you got the murder weapon on you. Uh 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 The very thing that you use, but yet and still he made it out and he sacrificed praise from a cave hiding out. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. So he offered a sacrifice of praise. David went on when the Ark of the Covenant, as he was king, was moving around from country to country and it finally came home Mm -hmm. and he celebrated. But David was going through some marital troubles at the time Mm -hmm. and his wife came out and talked about him sitting here. How undignified is it for a king to be dancing around like this? But he said, Mm -hmm. I will become more undignified than this he offered a praise and it did not matter what was going on Mm -hmm. he offered a sacrifice of praise so you got to be prepared for the resistance and you got to be prepared for the resistance because it comes through Jesus Mm -hmm. and because Jesus did not give up on me on that cross Mm -hmm. I can't give up on that praise I got to press through I got to press through my situation because he pressed through the cat of nine tails He pressed through that kangaroo court. He pressed through that false guilty verdict. He pressed through them asking for Barnabas instead of him. He pressed all the way to Calvary. He pressed his way on that cross. He pressed his way through the grave. He pressed his way down to hell and defeated the devil. He pressed his way up and got up three days later. And because he sacrificed for me, who am I not to sacrifice for him? In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.